Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Thank you. When I get to this kind of subject, it's easy for me to, to just go off on one particular thing and and then another thing leads to another thing, so i got to stay focused to get through this. But I'm really excited about what the Lord did in the first service and, and what the Lord put on my heart. When you talk about prophecies, it's just such a powerful thing. Let me give you what the word prophecy means just to start off. It's saying a specific thing that will happen in the future. Prophecy is one of the most powerful things of the Bible because... It is something that shows us that this is not... How many of you have ever heard someone say this is a man-made book? It's made by man. Man wrote that thing, and, and they say those things. Well, let me tell you something. When you begin to look at prophecies, you realize real quick, man didn't write this book. Because not one of us in this place this morning could look two or three weeks into the future and predict anything specific that would come to pass. And I'm not talking about the sun's going to come up and it's going to be hot. I'm talking about specific prophecies said by God, and we're going to look into some of those today, and I want this to raise our faith this morning. I want you to leave here this morning challenged, and I want you to leave here with greater faith than when you came in. Amen? How many want to leave that way this morning? So let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. This is going to be a key verse. It's going to be our text, and I want you to read this with me and see the days that we're living in. How many know we're living in crazy days? You don't have to be too smart to see that. All the things that are going on, we're going to hit on some of those things today, but I want to give you good news. God is in control of everything. Let me believe that this morning. God is in control of everything. And as believers, we need to believe that. That's what it means to believe. He says, I know, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days. How many have ever heard somebody say, we're in the last days? That's what he means. And we are, without a doubt, in the last days. I promise you. Some of the things I'm going to show you this morning in the scriptures will bring that to, to, to evidence. And he says, walking according to their own lusts. And saying, where, and here's the key to the, to the message, where is the promise? Say promise. promise. Where's the promise of his coming? So as we look at this verse here, I'm going to read on in a second. I want to talk this morning about the promise the greatest promise in the Bible, of that Jesus Christ is going to come back for His church. Jesus Christ is going to come back for His church. How many believe that this morning? How many believe that Jesus died on the cross, rose from the dead, ascended into heaven, and before He went, He said, I'm coming back. Too many people, I think, believe, if they believe at all, they believe the death, the resurrection, and the ascension, but they don't believe, to me, the, the best part, which is Him coming back for us. That's the finished work. And so it says, where's this promise coming? And here's why, because here we are in 2021, and people have been saying, oh, they've been saying that my whole life, and oh, they've been saying that since I, ever since I remember, and, and that, that's the attitude that they get. And look at God. He knew this was going to be the case. Here's his word written 2,000 years ago saying, They will say, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, when they say fathers, it means Old Testament, all the way back to the Old Testament fathers, fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. 
And so that's the thing that people believe. They think that it's just the same. But there's a promise, and that promise is this. Here's what Jesus said that that promise is. It's that he's going to come back for his church. It's been a promise for 2,000 years. And I want to ask you, you might say this morning, uh, when is he coming back? And I'm going to tell you the answer right now. Soon. Very soon. Maybe today. Maybe before I even get done preaching this message. Maybe you need to start checking yourself right now and say, am I ready for Jesus to come back right now? If the trumpet sounded right now, would I be left behind or would I go home with Jesus? Sometimes we need to get right before we get to the altar. Amen. And so that promise is that Jesus is coming and he's going to come back and get his church. And he said it in John 14. Watch his own prophetic words. It says, let not your heart be troubled. Now, if we're in this world right now of all these problems, here's the problem we, I have. Why is the church, the believers in Jesus Christ, troubled? Why are we troubled? Why are we worried? <clears throat> Why are we upset? Why are we frantic? Why are we depressed? That's, he's, Jesus said, don't let your heart be troubled. He, he was giving us a futuristic promise that I've got a plan in all this. If you're not saved and you don't know Jesus, then you should be very afraid of the times we're living in. Matter of fact, I look, the more I look at this world, I wonder how in the world people aren't drunk all the time. I'm not surprised people are on meth. I'm not surprised people are messed up at all. If I, if I didn't know Jesus, I'd be one of them. I'd be worse. Because there's no hope in this world without Jesus. But the church, we have hope. So why are we acting like the world? We should be the ones looking at each other, and I'm trying not to get ahead of myself here, and we should be lifting each other up, and, every, and as we see this world get worse, we should get more excited that very soon we're going to see the King, and we're going to be reunited with Jesus, and we're going to get to meet Him face to face. So Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. That's a promise. Does anybody in here have a mansion? Anybody ever seen a mansion? Are the mansions you see on this earth are going to be bathrooms in heaven. He says, if it were not so, if this was a lie, I wouldn't have told you. He says, but I would have told you. He says, I go to prepare. Now, just leave this there for a second. A place for you. Can I just tell you what God's been doing while we think he's delaying? He's preparing a place. How many are okay if Jesus takes a little bit longer to finish up your place? How many like to move into a house that's finished? God's finishing up. Jesus is finishing up. He says, I go to prepare a place for you. And here's the promise, the great promise. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will stay there. What does it say? Can somebody shout that out with me? I will come again and what does it say? Receive you to myself, that where I am, you may be also. Father, I thank you for your word, and I ask for just the next few minutes to arrest our minds. To focus on you. To not get hungry, to not get bored, to not get distracted, to not think about other things. 
Because this message is a life-changing message. It can transform us. It can give us everything we need to see where we're at today. And I pray for your anointing on this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Then the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, I don't want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, or in other words, who have died in the faith, lest you sorrow as others who have no hope. See, that's why we shouldn't be sad, because we have hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus. Does anybody have any loved ones, brothers, sisters, aunts, uncles, grandparents who have gone on to be with the Lord, amen, and want to be reunited with them again, amen? This is the promise. Then the next verse says, For this we say to you by the what? By the word of man. By the word of the Lord that we who are alive and remain, that's us, until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who are asleep, those who have died in Christ. For the Lord himself, I like that he's coming himself. He's not sending a messenger. He's not sending Joseph Smith. He's not sending some preacher. He's coming himself. He will descend from heaven. He's already in heaven right now, and he will descend from heaven. Church, I want you to understand that this set of scriptures right here is special because it's for us. We're the church. We're the believers of Jesus Christ. We're the ones putting our faith in him. And as he said this to the Thessalonian church, he is giving us a promise that he's coming for us. And out of all the time in the Bible that has existed, only this age of grace and age of the church gets to be the church that he comes back for. And it says with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then, watch what happens. We who are alive, that's the second time, and remain shall be caught up. Shout that out with me. Caught up. Caught up. Together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Now, I just want you to realize that gravity is going to lose its power. I'm trying to stay focused. I haven't said this for a while. You guys are the second crowd. I'm going to say this. Some people, I heard people say, come on, for reals, we're going to go up in the air. We're going to, we're going to fly. Why is it so hard to believe? You know, we believe a lot of stupid stuff. Why is that so hard to believe? How do you think the people that got the plane up in the air got up there? Somebody gave them the wisdom to do it. came from God. How do you think they got to the moon? Somebody gave them the wisdom to do it. If people can get to the moon on their own, you don't think God can get us to heaven? Hello. You know what's holding me on this stage right now? Gravity. All the Lord has to do is hit the gravity button and we're up. Does anybody scientifically know I'm right? Gravity, I'm not the smartest person, the sharpest knife in the drawer, but I know what's keeping me on this ground is gravity. And all the Lord has to do with that sound of the trumpet is take the gravity off those who believe. And in a moment, 1 Corinthians 15 says, in the twinkling of an eye, 
our bodies will be changed. Is anybody ready for a new body? Does anybody, would anybody like to trade this thing in for a body that has no pain and no suffering and no headaches and no cancer and no heart problems? For a body that's going to live forever in the presence of the Lord. So that's what's going to happen. And I heard one guy say, I was listening to him yesterday. He is, and I had to show it to Carla. If you listen to this guy, you'd think he was straight from the hood. And he was, he was some kind of gangster the way he talked, the way he preached. But it was so real. And he said, when the rapture happens, you're not going to need no Excedrin for your head. You're going to go through that roof, amen. And he's talking about the rapture. And I said, Carla, you listening to that guy? He sounds good. And she goes, yeah, it's good. I said, guess what? He's the number one cardiologist in the United States. Super smart and super common sense to believe that we're going to go up. This ain't for dumb people, church. Amen. This isn't for dumb people. How many know it's the real deal? Jesus is going to blow that trumpet and we're going to be out of here. How many want to be out of here this morning? How many are ready to go be with Jesus? Amen. And it says, thus we shall always be with the Lord. Now watch this next verse. This is important. There are people who preach. We're not talking about the world because they don't know nothing about the Bible. But there are people who preach that the church is going to go through what's called the tribulation. Because that's the next event after the rapture. And, and if you ask me this morning, Pastor, what's the next event in current events that's going to happen in the Bible? It's the rapture. It's next. It's the next event. And when's it going to happen? At any moment. Literally. Nothing else has to happen except Jesus blows that, that trumpet sounds. That's it. It literally could happen today. And there are people who preach that we're going to, where is the church going to go through the tribulation, which is three and a half years of tribulation and three and a half more of great tribulation. That the Bible says is a time in the history of the world that's never been seen before and never will be seen again. You think we've seen things? We haven't seen anything. I've said it before last year with COVID and wars and all these things are a barbecued picnic compared to the tribulation. But people say we're going to go through that. Now I want to ask you a question. If our hope was in that Jesus is going to take us away, how would we be able to comfort one another with those words? Can you imagine if I was preaching to you this morning and telling you all the things that are going to happen in the tribulation and, and then tell you, get ready. Isn't that exciting? Isn't that awesome? Isn't it exciting that we're going to have the government control us more? That's not comforting. We're comforting each other with the words that Jesus is going to do what the Greek word says for rapture, harpaso, which means snatch out of danger. Danger is right. Uh, and, and when I say danger, I mean a danger this world has not experienced. And danger is right around the corner. And the Bible says that the rapture snaps, snatches us out of danger right before the tribulation starts. And then all hell breaks loose. How many want to go in that? How many want to go in that? How many smart people do I have here? Amen? Well, I don't know if I believe that. We'll stay here. And if you make it through the tribulation, I want to hear all about it. But I'm going to be banqueting for seven years while you go through hell. Because I believe God's word. And I'm going when I hear the trumpet. And I'm looking for the trumpet. And I'm listening for the trumpet. And so I hope are you. So when will this promise, the rapture, happen? At any moment, as I said, in the twinkling of an eye. Now, listen to what Jesus said 
in Matthew 24. And as I read this, I want you to understand something. One-third of the Bible is, is prophecy. One-third is, is future events. And Jesus' words and prophecies that he spoke and prophecies about him, we have had more prophecies fulfilled in this lifetime that we're living right now than all the prophecies since Jesus in this generation. Now listen to what this says in Matthew chapter 24. Jesus is red letter. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you're not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. And let me just throw in something neat. There is no end for the believer. And it's funny, we call it end times, and it's true. It's what we call it, end times, last days. But for the church, there's no end. The only end we have is the end of pain and the end of suffering and the end of trials and the end of work and the end of sweat and the end of, of, of all the bad things. That's the only thing that's going to end. But it's not the end for us, but the end is not yet. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. And these are the beginning of sorrow. Someone would say, we've had all those things for thousands of years. Correct. But how many know when a person is pregnant, a woman is pregnant, they begin to have birth pains. Those birth pains become to be, get more frequent as they get closer to the birth. Church, a birth, I didn't say this in the first service, I'm not staying quite as focused as I need to, amen? So you might be here till one, amen? But it's going to be good. A birth church, and I'll have to get out 1030 on the dot. How many give me a few more minutes? A birth is the best picture of the rapture. They give you a due date. They say this is what's going to happen. But how many know it never happens at the exact date, especially not the exact hour? But as that birth gets closer, those birth pains get stronger and stronger. And just like Jerry and Veronica with Lucas, at any second, at any moment, that water breaks, the baby comes. Church, that's where we're at in God's time right now. We are in the birth pains. And the things that they were mentioning in those scriptures are elevated like never before. Let me, give, let me just uh, give you just a few um, or, or Sorry, let me, I, I, I missed a verse. Verse 34. This is important. Verse 34. How do we know that this is the moment that we're in that's so close? He says, assuredly. When you hear that word, assuredly, that is definite, definite. I say to you, Jesus says, this generation, what generation? The generation that sees these things will by no means pass away till these things take place. Now I'm going to get to you in a second about the biggest sign, but I want you to think about something uh, this morning as you're, as you're reading this, we, how many know that we have people alive here in this place and some people that are watching online or, or, or not making it to church right now who've been around longer than us? Been around quite a while. I was talking to Joe. I don't know where Joe went. He's, he he might have left. He's here? Okay. I was talking to Joe this week and Joe has been around a little longer than me. I'm going to get what I'm saying. He's a guy. I don't have to be like that. Joe's older. Amen? <laughs> and Joe was born in the 40s. So, so was my mom. So that generation is where, where the, the lifetime started. And you think about someone like Joe now, all the things he's seen since the 40s. 
he's now seeing that now this is all starting to close up and tie up and come to a, to, to a head. And now his life is, could be almost over in 20 years. Amen. Praise God. 25 years. I'm going to speak life over him because he's very healthy. But the, what, this, what that's saying is he's not going to die until he sees this come to pass. That's the generation that we're living in. I believe with all my heart this is the generation that's going to see the return of Jesus Christ. Here's some things that are going on right now as you would read current events. Last month in July was Earth's hottest month on record. Never been a hotter month around the world, which is interesting because it wasn't very hot here. Thank you, Jesus. But on average, in the world, it was the Earth's hottest month. Wildfires. How many know we got a lot of fires going on? Let me tell you, this is a precursor. Just like COVID is a precursor to the control that the government wants, the fires that are going on right now are a precursor because the Bible says eventually at one day, one day the earth will be consumed totally by fire. These are all precursors, all things that we look at for the future. And you might say, well, that's, never, that's not very good news. That's why we need to go on the rapture. Wildfires are all over the place. Listen to this, including Greenville. Susan here was born in, in Greenfield, raised in Greenfield, Greenville, California, it's gone. There's no city left. Totally burnt to nothing. This is happening all over California. And six of the ten largest fires in California history have happened in the last six months. Lake Powell, which is a humongous water source in Arizona, is at a historic low. Water's way down. This is tragedy. These are things that are causing problems across the board. Hawaii is facing its largest wildfire ever in the history of its existence. There are not just fires in the United States. There's fires right now burning in Lebanon and Turkey and Italy and Russia and China, all over the world. Time Magazine said this this week. The world has been on fire for the last month. And one last current event, China's Port shutdown raises fears of closures worldwide. How many know there's lots of things that are on back order right now and things that can't be produced and things that are, 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 we don't have and things are more expensive? And what, Church, what we're seeing happen right now in a global scale is it's like a, those pipes that busted back in February with the freeze here when the pipes get frozen and all that water's in it and then they bust. Our economy in the world, not take, don't think just the United States, the world economy is about to bust. I'm not trying to be the bearer of bad news. I'm just being the bearer of news. I'm not making this up. Our country alone owes $22 trillion. There's no way we could ever pay that back. They're making money faster than it can be spent, and there's nothing to back it up. So that, along with all the things that are happening right now with vaccines and COVID and control and all the things that are happening around the world, are pushing towards the moment when somebody's going to have to come on the scene and have an answer for all these problems. And the Bible says he will be the Antichrist. Why? Because the church will be gone. Are you still with me? So let me look at the person next to you and say, this is better than your amen and Way better. Thank you for that. How many would like to know the number one sign in the Bible that Jesus' return is now? How many would like to know? I just need one person. It's a six-letter word. You know, Pastor Mario mentioned that prayer. It's always amazing how the Holy Spirit works. 
that little David defeating the big giants. God has always chosen the little things to defeat the big things. You think about little David defeating Goliath. You think about Gideon and his 300 men defeating the enemies. God, you think about 12 men changing the entire world. He always uses little things to do big things. How many are thankful this morning in this place that we can be little people that we can do God, big things for God? <laughs> little common people doing big things for God. Here's the major sign, Israel. Israel. The nation of Israel. For time, write these down. Zechariah chapter 8, verses 2 and 3. Isaiah 11, verse 12. Isaiah 52, verse 8 are all prophecies speaking about Israel becoming a nation. But I want to read a few this morning that I think are really going to bless you and show you how real prophecy is. Remember, for example, I'm going to read Ezekiel 37 if you put this up. This is a book that was written 2,600 years ago. 2,600 years ago. Remember I told you you couldn't say something 25 days in the future? This is 2,600 years ago. Prophesied that Israel was going to become a nation again. Ever since that time, they have been dispersed. They've been cast away. They've been uh, uh, almost annihilated. They've been defeated. All these things have happened. How many know we know that's the, if you go back and read your Old Testament, you'll see why they were disobedient. God was dealing with them. But they've lost and lost and been scattered. And all the time, God had a plan to bring all these people back and make the nation of Israel become evident again on this earth. And for us, we can take this for granted. We can take Israel for granted. Because every single one of us in this place have always known about Israel our entire lifetime. Are you with me? It's always in the news. It's always in the, has anybody noticed Israel's always in the news, that little tiny country? It's always in the news. And so my entire lifetime, I remember hearing about Israel and the wars and all these different things. But before the 40s, Israel didn't exist. It did not exist. It was not a country. It was not a nation. It was just a land that was taken over by other people. And 2,600 years ago, Ezekiel prophesied, Say to them, Thus says the Lord God, Surely I will take the children of Israel from among the nations, wherever they have gone. And let me give you a newsflash. There are Jewish people in every country of the world. Every country. He says, I will take them from among the nations wherever they have gone and will gather them from every side and bring them into their own land. But what's amazing about that is when he's prophesying this, there is no land. That's the God we serve that speaks something that is not as though it were. And I will make them one nation in the land and the mountains of Israel, and one king shall be over them all, that's Jesus, and no longer shall there be two nations, Palestinian, nor shall there ever be divided into two kingdoms again. This prophecy was fulfilled on May, 4th, May 15th, sorry, May 14th, 1948. That prophecy. So this is why I say this is the generation, church, that's going to see the return of Jesus Christ. Because the clock started when Israel became a nation. 
Before 1948, there was no clock yet. There was no generation on the earth that would see all these things come to pass before it ended. And now Israel is a nation since 1948. How many are still here? What if I told you today that a nation, a country, could come into existence in one day? Like, think about here in Texas. We are a big, strong state, and we, we, we supposedly have these constitutional things we can do to become a nation ourselves and break off, and that would be an awesome thing, and we could keep everything godly, and people could, you know, keep the people out we didn't want and all that stuff. I can see some of you just salivating over that idea. But can I imagine, can you imagine if I told you today we're going to become a nation? Does that sound crazy? Well, the Bible says in Isaiah 66, watch this prophecy, verse 8. Who has heard such a thing? Who has seen such things? See, God is a God of marvel. Shall the earth be made to give birth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once in one day? For as soon as Zion was in labor, she gave birth to her children. Isaiah 2700 years ago prophesied that in one day on May 14th, 1948, Israel would become a nation in one day. May 13th of 1948, no nation. The people woke up on May 14th of 1948, Israel was a nation. Come on church. 2700 year old prophecy fulfilled in our lifetime. That should get you excited. Amen? Amen? Jewish people, here's what's going on right now. Remember what he said in that verse that he would gather them from every nation? Jewish people are gathering and have been for years back to Jerusalem from all the parts of the world. And they did more last year during COVID than they've ever done before. Now let me give you some perspective on what this means and then I want to talk a little, just a little bit more about Israel. How many are staying with me here? I'm not talking about some, some, I heard some, I'm not even going to call him a pastor. I just heard some dude say this last week. We showed it on our ministry meeting. That's just an antiquated book. That's what they said. No, it's God's living word. God's living word. Do you believe that? It's not some antiquated book. And it's, it's amazing. This book is amazing. But these people are coming back, and there's actually so many people going back to Israel that are Jewish that there's a name called Alijah, L-A-L-I-J-A-H, which actually means in Hebrew, immigrants returning to Jerusalem. They're going by the thousands, and let me give you some perspective how much that's happened. You've heard me say this before, and it's hard to believe. The nation of Israel is the size of the metroplex of Dallas-Fort Worth. The size of New Jersey. Tiny country. You can't get much more tiny. And God is using that little tiny area to be his focal point. So people are coming from all over the world back to Jerusalem. And in 1948, when Israel became a nation, listen to this, there was 800,000 people there. That was the population. 800,000. Way less than the Metroplex. Today, in that little tiny nation, 70 years later, there's 9 million people. From 800,000 to 9 million. 7 million of those 9 million are Jewish people. That's prophecy being fulfilled. 
in our eyes. Now, let, let me just tell you a little bit more about Israel. Ezekiel chapter 20. Don't get bored, church, with the book of Ezekiel. Don't get bored because it's the Old Testament. Man, let me tell you something. I told you you can't predict 25 days in advance. This guy's seeing 2,600 years in the future. He says, God says, I will accept you as a sweet aroma when I bring you out from the peoples and gather you out of the countries where you've been scattered. And I will be hallowed in you before the Gentiles. Then you shall know that I am the Lord. And when I bring you into the land of Israel, into the country for which I raised my hand in an oath to give to your fathers. This is called prophecies and promises. God keeps his promises. Thank you for that lonely golf clap. God keeps his promises. You know what that means? If he keeps his promises to Israel, he's going to keep his promise to us. Israel flourishes. Today is a nation that is envied. It's hated, but it's envied. Does that sound familiar? Sounds like Christians. They should envy us for the favor of God on our lives, but they hate us because of who we are and what we stand for. Israel is hated, but they're also envied because of how they flourish. Watch this other verse. Isaiah 41, 19 and 20. I will plant in the wilderness. This is God boasting. I'm going to go to that desolate. If you've ever been there or seen pictures, it's desert, it's sand, it's desolate. There's not a lot of trees. He says, I'm going to plant some trees there. I'm going to put cedars and acacia trees and myrtle and oil trees. I'm going to set in the desert the cypress tree and the pine. How many know pine trees aren't supposed to be in the desert? Let, let that just sink in for a second. That's God just boasting. How many know God can boast? We can't, but God can. He said, I'm going to put pine trees in the desert so that you can see 2,600 years from now that I am the Lord that's, that I say I am. And the box tree together, watch this, that they may see and know who, us in 2021, and consider and understand together that the hand of the Lord has done this and the Holy One of Israel has created it. <laughs> created it. For those of you that are thinking about lunch, let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you what that means. Let me tell you how God's little boasting there came to pass. 250 million trees have been planted in Israel since 1900. Since 1900. Since when? 1900. That's, the, that's, the, that's this recently. Since, since the 250, 000, sorry, 250 million trees, which is more trees that have been planted than any place else in the world. Israel is envied for their agriculture. They're envied for their technology. They're envied for their armed forces. They're envied for all these different things. Why? Because God's hand is on them because they're his chosen people because he said, those are my people. And he said, I'm going to prove who I am, not through great and mighty, big, uh, monstrous nations. I'm going to do it through a little nation so I can prove that I'm God. Amen. As I close, watch this. One other sign besides Israel is the technology today. 
Okay, Daniel 12, 4 says that in the last days, knowledge or technology will increase. How many know we've seen that? So I don't have to go into that. We live it. We were in it. We've, we've done messages on it. But think about this. Let me give you this last thought of why we know we're in the time that Jesus could come now and he couldn't have come 50 years ago. Revelations chapter 11. Let me just jump forward to the movie. Some of y'all younger people are like, man, Ezekiel and Isaiah and flowers and trees. Let me just fast forward for you and your boredom to Revelation. This is in the tribulation now. I'm not here. I can't speak for you. I'm not going to be here. How many else want to not be here with me? Jesus is going to take us out. But the tribulation is going to be happening. And the Bible tells us here, I'm going to give you just quick background. The Bible tells us here that there are two witnesses that are preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. Those two witnesses are Elijah and Enoch from the Old Testament. Now, if you read your Bible and you don't, you can read it later and figure it out because the more you read it, the cooler it gets. It's better than any movie. Elijah and Enoch are the two witnesses because they're the only two men who've never died. The Bible says in Genesis that Enoch was walking with God. And this is the key. How many want to be walking with God when Jesus comes back? So he's walking with God. He's a humble man. He's a good man. And all of a sudden, he's not anymore. It's a picture of the rapture. Genesis. Oh, the rapture not mentioned in the Bible. Yeah, just a hundred times. All through the Bible. So Enoch's walking. Bam, he's gone. Then you go forward to the story of Elijah, who's going to leave his mantle to Elisha. And how does he leave? He goes up in a chariot of fire and disappears into the sky. It's a picture of the rapture. Those two men never tasted death. So they're going to come back and they're going to preach the gospel along with 144,000 witnesses, which are not the Jehovah's Witness, by the way. If you're a Jehovah's Witness in here or was, I'm sorry to give you some bad news. And I fear for you anyways, because if you were 144,001, you're out. It's a scary thing, right? I don't want to be stuck on that number. Amen. Yeah, that was a good place to laugh. I was trying to lighten it up a little bit. It's okay. 144,000 male virgin men preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're alive right now. They'll be sealed by the Holy Spirit, and they will preach all over the world, and they'll be hated. The two witnesses will do great miracles, preach the gospel. They'll be hated. People will be getting saved during the tribulation through these two men and the 144,000 witnesses. And some people who stayed behind who know they missed the rapture. The greatest revival we'll ever see church in this church will be after the, after the rapture. I'm going to say this before I even read this. They'll be banging the doors down. People who are backslidden today who've come to this church and been at this altar and cried and given their life to the Lord but didn't take it serious enough and went back out and messed around with things, the things of the world and are in the world right now, they're going to be banging the doors down when they realize that we're gone banging the doors down. People who were afraid to open their mouth and witness while Jesus was coming are going to be witnessing because they know they missed the rapture. It's going to be a big change. Don't do it then. Do it now. But in this story, all this is happening 
And the Bible says when they finish their testimony, watch this, the beast that ascends out of the bottomless pit will make war against them, the two witnesses, overcome them and kill them. Watch this. And their dead bodies, their dead bodies will lie in the street of the great city which spiritually is called Sodom and Egypt leave that up for a second where also our Lord was crucified they're going to kill these men now Pastor Mario mentioned TikTok and Instagram and Facebook and YouTube and all these things we're, we're not you don't think we're in a generation that already films everything everybody's fit. instead of saving someone's life when they're drowning or being beaten they film it so the whole world can watch it the technology that was needed for this scripture to be fulfilled could have never happened until today. Because it says they're going to kill these two witnesses. They're going to be dead on the street. And watch this. And then those from the peoples, tribes, tongues, and nations will what? See. Not here by a telegram. Not here by the news traveling through a, a train or a boat or a horse. They will see their dead bodies three and a half days. That's not metaphorical. It's not. It's literal. Three and a half days they will lie there. And people will, will be mocking them. And they'll be happy. And they'll be glad that they're dead. Because they'll be sick and tired of hearing them preach Jesus. Just like they are today. Nobody wants to hear that they need to change. Nobody wants to hear that they're not living a life that's pleasing to God. Everybody wants to shun that. They're going to do the same thing there. And it says they'll not allow their dead bodies to be put into graves. And those who dwell on the earth, watch this, will rejoice over them. And make merry. And send texts. And send live streams and send Instagrams and send messages and say, look, they're dead, they're dead, and send gifts to one another because these two prophets tormented those who dwelled on the earth. And how did they torment them? By preaching the gospel. Church, that thing right there in the book of Revelation could never have happened till now because every person in the world has a cell phone. Everybody will be able to see this. That's how close we are. That's why I tell you, get ready. Get your heart right now. Stop putting things off. Stop, stop making other things more important. Get ready. Because you do not want to be here when the, when the stuff hits the ceiling. You do not want to be here when all hell breaks loose. I've told you for the last year and a half, COVID is a barbecue chicken picnic compared to what's coming. The shutdown last year was nothing. Wars we've seen, 9-11 we've seen, nothing we've ever seen can even compare to that seven years. And some people go, well, if God is so good, why would he let that happen? Because he's been waiting and long-suffering and been gracious for 2,000 years, preaching good news, repent, and be saved. And that seven-year period is for those who would not accept Jesus and his own Jewish people who rejected him at the cross. It's called Daniel's 70th week. It's one seven-year period where God is going to deal with those 
non-God-fearing, Jesus-believing Jews. And they're going to get saved wholesale. But they're going to have to show their faith. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes all across this place quickly this morning without hesitation? How many in this place listening to this message online, on the podcast, in this place, you're not ready. This scares you to death. It makes you fearful. If that's you, and you're afraid, and you're scared, and you're not sure if the trumpet sounded today, you'd go or be left behind. You don't know what, what would happen to your life. You're fearful. Today, you can be saved. Right now. The Bible says, believe on me as you've believed in him. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. Right now, you can put your faith in Jesus. Right now. Do it now. Do it today. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. His heads are bowed and eyes are closed all across this place. How many would say, Pastor, would you pray with me right now? Because I want to be saved. I want to put my faith in Jesus. Just lift up your hand put it right back down all across this place I see your hand young lady God bless you how many more all across this place that's me that's me I need to be saved maybe you're here and at some point in your life you said the prayer you believe but today your life is not lined up with God's word you're playing games you're messing around you're what the Bible calls lukewarm and God will spit you out of his mouth he says I would rather you be hot or cold God says, don't come to me with that halfway stuff. Either serve me all the way or don't serve me at all. If that's you this morning and you're walking that lukewarm life and you know, by, not by my words, but by the power of the Holy Spirit, you need to make a change right now. Lift your hand up and say, pray for me. That's me. All over this place. Honest hearts. Maybe you're listening online. We're going to pray with you in just a moment because we don't want anyone to miss out this opportunity. I want to ask you to stand quickly all across this place. Stay in this spirit of reverence, church, because this is lives, souls, eternity hanging in the balance. If you said, I need Jesus this morning, or maybe you didn't even raise your hand, but something's telling you, you need to get right. You need to get right. We're talking about a holy God. Do you think God wrote this stuff just to fill pages? It's real. It's real. We don't have to be afraid. But if you don't take God serious, you better be afraid. Let that conviction hit you. Get your life right. Say, God, help me. And he'll help you. If you raised your hand all across this place, I want to ask you to do one more thing. Just step out of your seat. To the nearest aisle, just come down here. We're going to pray a prayer of salvation. Quickly, just step out all over this place. Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come. Come on, quickly, all over this place. Come on, smart, wise decisions. I'm going to wait just a few seconds. Come on, something's telling you I need to go. I need to go change my life. I don't know, I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds the tomorrow. Amen. We're going to say a prayer for those here and those online. I want you to repeat this after me. Lord Jesus, I know I fall short of your glory. I am a sinner. I make mistakes. And I believe in all, with all my heart you came down from heaven and lived a perfect life. Died on the cross to take my place.
to bear my sin on your body. And then you went into the grave, but you did not stay there. You defeated death and the grave and hell for me. I believe that. Not just with my mouth, but with my heart. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord. Come into my life, turn it around, clean me up, wash me with your precious blood, and please write my name in the Lamb's book of life. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. Come on, let's give. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton, go to our website at vwotexas.com.